Tappers, what's up? It is the Tuesday edition of the Daily Tap. Hope everybody is doing well. Got a good show today. We will talk about why the Bucks championship run should not be disrespected, nor really anyone's championship run should be disrespected here. And it is not a fluke, basically, is what I'm saying. And we'll kind of get into it. Um, This is based on some comments from a podcast yesterday. And I want to talk through it because it's not just the Bucks here. This is more than just the Bucks. I'm not getting ahead of my skis here. I want to talk about the entire landscape, all four teams, and sort of where it is and how this is not a fluke and how all these championship teams have future aspirations, and we could see them back here in years to come. Next, we'll talk about the Milwaukee Brewers' place as one of the top teams in the in the majors. Uh, we'll talk about the big win yesterday against the Chicago Cubs, and where do they rank um, among the elite here in the in Major League Baseball? And then we'll ride out of here. Oh, well, let's talk a little bit about Game Four. Uh, before we get into the Brewers. So that'll be the show today. I'm excited to talk about the Brewers and Bucks as always, uh, but let's start with our Milwaukee Bucks. So Bill Simmons and Ryan Rossillo do a Sunday podcast. I've mentioned it a lot. I think there's a lot of great content that comes from it, um, especially when your team is there. I think they've been tough on the Bucks. I think that it's sort of like the seed in Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, where Will Smith's dad leaves him again, and Will Smith's just kind of sad, and he starts crying into Uncle Phil's arms and goes, why don't they love me, man? Why doesn't he love me, man? That's kind of how I feel about the Bucks. Like, I, I just want to be loved, and I don't know if the it's reciprocal with those two guys. And I look up to them. I think they're great. But I, I do have to say, like, some of the takes that were from Bill Simmons yesterday were a little off, and... Him basically saying, like, the championship, whoever wins the championship here, we one of the worst NBA champions. It's it's kind of flawed. Like, I'm not going to lie. Uh, and I just think the concept of a flawed champion is tough. I mean, the Miami 2006 year it is war- warranted because that Miami team the next year gets swept by Chicago. It's not a title defense. They they kind of just go and peter out. It is really a flash in the pan from that Miami organization. Um, that Dallas 2011 run was crazy. I mean, they beat an upstart Oklahoma City team that would get to the finals the, the following year. They beat a San Antonio Spurs team that had won multiple championships. They beat the Miami Heat who had so much hype around them and were the first super team in this sort of era of super teams and player empowerment. So to to discredit what Dallas did is ridiculous because that was an incredible run in their own right. And he also mentioned like the 2003 Spurs. Well, that that sort of sparked the Spurs run and the Spurs would win multiple championships after the fact. And by the way, they took down a Lakers team who, yes, they were trying to repeat for what the third straight year, but they took our fourth straight year, excuse me, but they took them down and that that matters too. So I just think it's hard to like, yeah, that, that might have been a weird year, but just because we have weird years, just because we don't have one true champion doesn't kind of mean shit, right? Like we should look at every year in its own vacuum. We shouldn't necessarily look at the historical context because there are there are things that matter. And 
you know, the fact of the matter is, is the Bucks were down 2-0 to an amazing Brooklyn team. A Brooklyn team with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving at the time. Now, Kyrie Irving hurts his ankle in Game 4, but we will never know what happens the rest of the way. We won't know. And I know people can say, oh, Brooklyn would have won in 5, Brooklyn would have won in 6. Okay, maybe, but who knows, right? Like, just because Kyrie wasn't out there is... And, and it, was an, it wasn't like a soft tissue injury either. So you can't like really blame the fact that the Bucks got injury luck. The Bucks have had injury luck this postseason. I mean, we'll knock on wood here. You know, I know Giannis right now is dealing with a calf injury, but they have injury luck. That happens in all sports. We see that, right, in football all the time, right, where somebody... Some team just does not have it, and they, they are all injured, and they're just basically held together by sticks. I think back to the 2000, was that 16 or 17 Packer? No, it was that was too long ago. That 2015 Packer team who went to the NFC Championship game, started Ladarius Gunter at corner. Like, that team had no business being in the championship game with the roster they had, but they were good. Aaron Rodgers got them there because the, their star got them there, but they got blown out by Atlanta. And, and actually, I think it was 2016, 2017, whatever. It doesn't matter. But regardless, this happens sometimes with injuries. So to say, like, oh, Kyrie would have just, this would have changed the whole series. Well, maybe, but like, injuries happen. He stepped on some guy's foot. Trey Young stepped on the official's foot. And I don't even really think that's that serious of an injury, but we'll we'll talk about that in a second here. So I, I'm not ready to be like, okay, this Bucks team is a flash in the pan because they're not, nor are any of the four teams left. So that, to me, was the other odd thing where it's like you use the Heat and the Mavericks as examples, and those teams were flashes in the pan mostly because they were old guys and they kind of had one or two stars, Shaq, was getting to the tail end of his career. Dwayne Wade, yes, a young upstart guy, but Dwayne Wade wasn't ready to kind of carry a team just yet. And the Mavericks had Dirk Nowitzki, and then that was it. So you look at the Bucks right now, and the Bucks have a four-year window. I said this, God, I don't know when, but I, I have said before, like, this is not going to be the only chance at a championship for the Milwaukee Bucks. They have a window right now. This window is four years. Now you can say, well, Giannis could get unhappy and Giannis could force his way out and yada, 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 bullshit, bullshit. But the fact is, is they are going to have multiple opportunities at this thing. This is not going to be their only shot at a championship because they have all of these guys for the next four years. They have Chris Middleton. They have Drew Holiday. They have Giannis Antetokounmpo. They're all going to be playing together for the next few years. So to act like this run is a one-time thing is highly inaccurate. What's to say that they can't be the next Spurs, the next small market team that just sort of breaks through the minutiae and breaks through the super teams and challenges them every time out? That, that, that is on the table, okay? That is not off the table. And you look at a team like the Phoenix Suns, yes, Chris Paul infused a amazing spirit into this team but they're also super young they have so much young talent deandre ayton devin booker mikhail bridges um cam johnson 
though all four of those guys are top picks though that's the future of that team that team's gonna be around for a while and look james jones just won executive of the year he'll figure out what that point guard position looks like going forward whether it's chris paul for a couple more years or somebody completely different they'll figure that out they have a long future you look at the Clippers. I mean, that to me is the one team where maybe you're saying, if you're saying it's a flash in the pan, the Clippers would be a flash in the pan with Kawhi Leonard maybe, maybe not coming back, mad at medical staff, Paul George only having a few years left. Like, yes, there is a possibility there, but Ty Lue is a really good fucking coach. Ty Lue now is 9-2 and two in elimination games. He had, and some people, which I thought was too far, call him like the Bill Belichick of adjustments for an NBA coach. And if that's the case, guess what Bill Belichick always does? He gets to the playoffs and he's always involved. There, what's to say Ty Lue won't get involved? And then to wrap up with this Atlanta team who the Bucks are playing, they're so fucking young. They have so much time to grow. They don't have DeAndre Hunter. Again, an injury, fine. Make an excuse, whatever. They don't have DeAndre Hunter, but he's a top five talent. You have Trey Young, top five talent. Kevin Herter, top pick. John Collins, top pick. Uh, Agunwa, who I probably mispronounced his last name, another top pick. Like, they have talent. Like, they're no different than Phoenix, right? They're Yeah, they're missing, like, their veteran, like Chris Paul. And you could argue maybe that's Danilo Gallinari, but... They are a young upstart team. They're probably here a year or two too early. This is probably unexpected. And maybe next year the Hawks get swept or the Hawks lose in five in the second round or the first round. But guess what? In two years, they could be right back here or three years. Like that that's really on the table. So to act like any of these teams don't have a sustainable future is ridiculous. They all do. They all have a chance to break through again when, quote-unquote, things are going to be back to normal. But are we sure that next year's playoffs will be normal? What's to say that LeBron James breaks down next year and just isn't the same? What's to say the injury problems that plagued Brooklyn all year are again a factor? What if Durant gets hurt? What if Kyrie goes down? You know, what? what's to say, man? That shit can happen every year. What if Embiid gets hurt again next year? And heaven forbid, but like, what if one of the Bucks guys goes down? Okay? So, like, I I don't want to play this game. This game is not fair. And I think that the small markets have broken everybody's brain. And I think it's broken everybody's brain of what it's supposed to be. Because this is not the typical NBA. And as I said, I think about the Hawks last week when we previewed the series, it's like an NFL season. It's the parody that we love in the NFL. We love that every year in the NFL, it is something different. There will be many people picking the Chiefs and Buccaneers to be the Super Bowl again. But I will garner the bet we will not see it again. History is behind me on that. The last time we saw back-to-back same Super Bowls, was in the mid-90s. It's been nearly 30 years. So the odds of that happening are slim to none. I could get you the percentages 
but it's probably it's probably a less than five percent chance we're gonna see Chiefs and Buccaneers again. And that's what makes the NFL fucking awesome. And so why can't the NBA adopt that parody-esque thing? We love dynasties in the NBA. The NBA is built on dynasties. But to act like none of these teams, including our Milwaukee Bucks, can be a dynasty is ridiculous. Let's move on to the game four, which is tonight at State Farm Arena. Bucks Hawks. Bucks are trying to take a commanding 3-1 lead. They just need to punch Atlanta square in the mouth. Atlanta was shell-shocked in the fourth quarter. Chris Middleton outscored Atlanta. We know what they did in that fourth quarter. The Bucks need to come through with the big-ass uppercut, the big hook. Like That's what they need to do in that first quarter. They don't want to give Atlanta any sort of life. And that's what Milwaukee, it, it should be the only goal. And attack with Giannis early. Um, get Chris Middleton started. I'm curious to see if the Bucks maybe go small to start. I don't remember if Brooke Lopez has ever come off the bench. I doubt that they will have Brooke Lopez off the bench and they will keep the same starters. But I'll be very curious to see if they go small early since they've kind of figured out how to do their small ball. And if they just attack, attack, attack. Because I think the, the window is open, especially with the ankle and Trey Young and who knows there. I don't I don't mean to discredit an injury, but it's hard for me to really get behind what happened with Young because I don't think it's that serious. I think sure it's a bruise, it's a twisted ankle. Like we've all twisted our ankles and it probably sucks to play. And it seems like given the braces that Young has on his ankles, he has shitty ankles and that that could be affecting it. Some people just have bad body parts, right? Like, I don't know, for me, I have, I have awful hands just because I'm uncoordinated and I sometimes struggle with grips and whatever. And so, yeah, that's one of my flaws, okay? So now Trey Young's his ankles. I'm not an NBA player, though. Trey Young is, and I, would, I think you need good ankles. But, I mean, look, Steph Curry had that problem. Steve Nash had a bad back. Like, it's there are countless examples of NBA players who've had issues with certain parts of their body. So the fact is, is maybe Trey Young doesn't have the bounce early, and, again, you can take advantage of it. I do expect Young based on like painkillers, things like that, right? Like he's gonna be, he's gonna probably be a little more spry early. So I, and I expect Trey Young to try to do some things. I expect Trey Young to try to get hot. Now they've been here before. You heard Nate McMillan say that in the locker room after the game. This was similar to the Philly series, right? That Philly kind of dominated game three. It was 2-1. But remember, Philly was beating their ass in the fourth, in the game four. Philly was up, I believe, by, they were definitely up by 20, and it looked like it was going to be a 3-1 series, headed back to Philly. Philly was ready to sort of kind of be coronated and move on to the next round. And then they fell apart in the fourth, third and fourth quarter, and Atlanta was able to have this furious comeback. So even if the Bucks get up early, again, just keep pressing. It's not over until it's over. Just really sort of press down on that throat 
and get it done. And that to me is the biggest key. Um, can Drew Holiday get going? I think that's another major development, right? Drew Holiday was really good in games one and two. Game three was very bad. We'll see what Drew Holiday comes comes to play today. And we'll also see if Brooke Lopez, where, what Brooke Lopez are we gonna get is another great question because game one, he was awful. It was really bad. They made some awesome adjustments and Brooke Lopez was one of them and he was great in that game and played really well when this when that game was close. And then in game three, he was ass again. So what are what Brooke Lopez do we get? And how much more do we see Bobby Portis? Does Bobby Portis' minutes go up and Lopez' minutes go down and Lopez is just there to start and then it's not really much the rest of the way? I'm very curious on all of those things. And I know Giannis is going to have another big game. I'll be I'll be curious, I guess, from the Atlanta side, whether Okanwu plays a little bit more. I would play Okanwu more. That, to me, would be my adjustment if I'm Atlanta, is Okanwu is coming off the bench early. I'm keeping Collins and Capella out of foul trouble, and I'm rotating Okanwu in with those guys. Maybe not Okanwu and Capella. I think you lose a lot offensively, but I think you can rotate Okanwu and Capella in and make that happen and really start frustrating Giannis because I think Okanwu has is it does a really good job against Antetokounmpo in the limited time I've seen him now maybe Giannis as he plays him more can figure it out I'm sure he's watched some tape to say all right here's what I can do here's what I can't do against this guy as he's a little more of an unknown but yeah I I think that there that would be my move if I was Atlanta I still I don't understand why Bogdan's playing so much. That's the other thing I don't get. I mean, I know that they're kind of banged up at the guard position, but I have no idea why you're letting Bogdan shoot, shoot as much as he is. He's trying to make it happen, and he has no lift. I think Bogdan has become sort of the Joe Harris of this series where every time he touches the ball, I'm not kind of scared. I'm more so looking forward to him make him shooting the ball than I am not. And I realize I could regret that in a few hours. So I, I will caveat that, yeah, it's possible. But yeah, the the Bucks have this one if they want it. It's, the door is wide open. It's now the, up to the Bucks to bust through that door and take advantage and then slam it shut on Atlanta. So looking forward to this one. For those curious, for those wondering, Will not be at the Brown House tonight. I'll be I'll be hanging with Mitch again. We'll we'll do we'll run back Sunday. Um, so I'll be there. Um, so this will be our ninth game together, right? I think seventh, no eighth. So our eighth game together, and then we'll definitely be at Brown House Thursday. So look forward for us on Brown House Thursday. I've invited you guys all there. Um, I hope you take advantage of that um, and have some fun. But yeah, it's. It's going to be a good time and look forward to uh, game four this evening. Moving on to the Milwaukee Brewers. Milwaukee Brewers got it done yesterday. They win 14-4 against the Chicago Cubs. And you're like, wow, Brewers blew them out. It was That's crazy if you didn't watch the game. And really, it was an intense game. Like It went back and forth. The Brewers had a 4-2 lead. Um, before Patrick Wisdom hit an absolute piss missile off Brad Boxberger, who wasn't great last night. 
And Devin Williams struggled in the eighth inning, and it kind of looked like maybe the Brewers might drop this one, and the Cubs come through with a scrappy road win. And the Cubs have the best bullpen in baseball. Like, they have the best bullpen ERA in baseball. And so a lot to that point of like, well, if they get long in this game, if this game goes to extras, it probably favors the Cubs after the Brewers get Williams and Hayter out there in a tie game. But then the eighth inning happened, and the Brewers went crazy. Big hits from Jackie Bradley Jr. Keston Hira had a great base running and then hit a home run to kind of put the cherry on the Sunday. Willie Adamas hit a big three-run shot to break it open. Luis Urias had a double that mattered. The Brewers just had this massive inning, and it ended up being a 10-run inning. Their first one of those since 2001. Just an embarrassing moment there for the Chicago Cubs. And it speaks to what the Brewers have been for the last really month, month and a half. And there haven't been many teams that are hotter than the Milwaukee Brewers. They are playing spectacular baseball. And it leads me to kind of believe, is this Brewer team one of the best in the National League? They're on pace, and the and in the Major League, really. They're on pace for 94 wins. To give you an idea on where the Brewers are, they have a four-game lead in the NL Central. This comes from Christian Yelich's burner, which is an interesting count. Uh, won eight of their last ten. Eight and thirteen against eighteen and thirteen against NL Central teams. Seven and three against the Cubs, who have fifty million more on their payroll, and they're on pace for ninety-four wins. That's good. That is very good. That that's a team that can contend for a World Series. And you look at the rest of the major leagues and where do the Brewers rank? Now, I don't like power rankings. Um, I just think they're a useless clickbait thing that people are going to do till the end of time because everybody clicks on them, everybody comments on them, everybody has an opinion on their own power rankings. So I, what I really just want to do is look where the Brewers are and kind of say, are these teams better or worse than the Brewers? Or should we really be putting the Brewers in the conversation as one of the best teams in baseball? So right now the Brewers are the eighth best team in all of Major League Baseball. They are the fourth best team in the National League. Now it's a little fraudulent in that regard. Well, not fraudulent, but it's a little bit, let's make sure we have our facts because if the Brewers win tonight and their winning percentage could topple the Chicago White Sox, the San Diego Padres, the Oakland Athletics. They're technically all a half game. Actually, the Brewers are tied winning percentage-wise basically with the Chicago White Sox. So the Brewers could easily kind of work their winning percentage over those teams. But right now, they have the the eighth best winning percentage. I would garner to say Brewers right now have a run differential that's similar with that eighth spot. That said, I still like the Milwaukee Brewers a lot when it comes to the best teams in baseball. They've already taken care of the Los Angeles Dodgers. They beat up the Los Angeles Dodgers early in the season. Now, I would like to see Brewers-Dodgers before the end of the year because I don't know how much will be left to play for. But the Brewers and Dodgers would be a lot of fun right now. 
Um, unfortunately, we're not going to get to see that to see the true test. Same goes with the Padres, who the Brewers had some really good success against. The Brewers, you know, saw some real, you know, opportunities there. They only lost one game against San Diego. They played really well against that Padres team. So that's not surprising. Then you have the San Francisco Giants, who the Brewers are going to play twice in August. Uh, once at Miller Park in the first part of, of August, and then out to AT&T Field right around Labor, Labor Day. So those will be great tests for the Brewers. Those will be playoff-like atmosphere games with the San Francisco Giants team, who is not a fluke despite losing their last two games. They are legit. They are the best team right now in baseball. It's We're long enough into the season to give the... Give the Giants that credit. And then you look at the AL, you have this upstart Astros team that is mashing the baseball, that has a run differential of 140. They've been really good, um, and they're going to be really tough to beat. And they are deserving to be the top team in the AL. You have a Boston Red Sox team that's really well coached with Alex Cora and have a interesting collection of talent. I don't think their pitching staff's very good, but they have enough offense to get them by. I mean, you saw Garrett Richards struggle yesterday, and they still were able to win 6-5. to five. Um, Tampa Bay Rays have been a little uneven. They had that hot start, and they haven't really sort of seen that since. Um, so I'm not totally sold on the Rays. Uh, the Athletics, I really like their roster. I just feel like they haven't had that one like push. They haven't had one hot streak Chicago White Sox have certainly cooled off since their their sort of hot run, but and the Brewers will play the White Sox in three weeks, I think. So old White Sox Brewers rivalry, Brewers versus La Russa, will be back. So that'll be a good test. So Brewers won't get to see a lot of those AL teams unless they're in the World Series. But I don't think it's unreasonable to put the Brewers in the World Series category, especially if they can start hitting. And they are starting to show that a little bit. You're seeing Casting Hero red hot. I said, I think yesterday, that if Hero can prove he's hitting a little bit more, you're going to see him go move up the order. I think Hero's earned the sixth spot now. We'll see what, what the lineup looks like for Council. I actually kind of liked the lineup yesterday with having Urias lead off, Yelich hitting back to that second spot, and then going with Adamas and Narvaez. I liked that lineup. I really did. I thought that was a, a good one from Counts. And we'll see we'll see what happens. And they, they're just gonna hit the ball. And if they if they start hitting the ball, there's no reason to believe this team can't be a a top contender. And that's and that's really the last piece of this puzzle. Because they have the bullpen, they have the starting rotation. It's just, do they have enough offense to compete with these teams? And they've shown thus far. I mean, the resume is there. I, I don't care that it was in the early part of the season. You play teams who are hot and cold or in the middle all the time in baseball. It's a long-ass season. But the Brewers have kind of proven themselves, A, to be the best team in the NL Central. I think that is clear. Um, even if the Cubs were to, let's say, win the next two. I still think the Brewers are the best team in the NL Central, and I'll plant my flag in that. And the other part there is they are one of the best teams in the NL. They deserve to be mentioned with the Dodgers, with the Padres, with the Giants, and they deserve to be right there. I think the Mets and the Cubs are a tier underneath, 
And I think the Mets' offensive problems outweigh what the Brewers are. I mean, the Brewers and Mets, I think, play each other in two weeks. That series, I will maybe have seven runs total in that one uh, because both pitching staffs have been incredible. Um, hopefully, we'll get a DeGrom versus Burns or DeGrom versus uh, Woodruff matchup in there because that would be great. Um, speaking of Burns, the fact that he's not pitching on Wednesday is a huge bummer. Uh, they've been doing this extra rest thing uh, to just sort of give these starting pitchers a little more time. Freddie Peralta actually just maxed out his innings yesterday as Will Salmon pointed that out. So no Corbin Burns. Instead, they will go with somebody else on Wednesday. I'm not sure who that will be getting that ball. Will it be Ryan Weber maybe? The long reliever that's kind of in that Josh Lindblom spot. Maybe that's the that's the move for them. We'll, we'll have to see what the Brewers decide to do. Right now, speaking of DeGrom, just because I looked at it, they are planning to, they are facing DeGrom on Tuesday night, but right now it's Adrian Hauser. But if if Burns gets bumped, I think you were gonna you are gonna get Burns versus DeGrom on Tuesday, July 6th. So that's something to look forward to on that day. Alright, guys, take care of yourself. Have a great Tuesday. We'll be back tomorrow. We're talking Bucks Hawks game four. And if anything else comes across the wire. All right, take care. Have a good one. Bye.